Hi there, and welcome back to the Live Moss Podcast. So far in our episodes, we've been extremely fortunate to have guests come on to speak to higher education and athletic administration, learning specialists, academic advisors, uh, and even the leadership of N4A. What I'm excited about today is we're able to break down into the tutoring programs across the country. Please welcome Jeff Nelson, the tutor coordinator for the University of Texas Longhorns. On today's episode, we're going to talk about everything incorporating into tutoring, whether you have a program with 100 tutors, 50 tutors, or even just 15. We're also going to touch specifically on the case at the University of Missouri, uh, the NCAA infraction case that came out recently. So please take a minute to tune in, enjoy the episode, and as always, Live Moss. Welcome back to the Live Moss Podcast. One of the great things about our membership is that people are always willing to give back and take their time to contribute to others. No one exemplifies that more than Jeff Nelson of the University of Texas. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And if you would, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Absolutely. So, yes, I'm Jeff Nelson. I'm an academic and a tutorial coordinator here at the University of Texas. And I've been working here at UT since 2003. I worked uh, as a tutor and mentor for uh, UT Athletics for over a decade. And then at that point, I I transitioned to be an academic coordinator with the student caseload. And then in about January of 2016, they asked me to take over the tutoring program here. And so I've seen uh, a lot of changes to our program and a lot of improvements. And have been working uh, continually in that capacity uh, since uh, January of 2016. Well, Jeff, let's just jump right in. Can you describe some of the basic setup and structure of UT's tutoring program? Yes, definitely. So our program consists of about 100 tutors, uh, and that's kind of divided between we have what we call strategy tutors and we have content tutors. So strategy tutors work on study skills and note-taking and helping students go through syllabi and, like, make calendars and figure out due dates and that kind of stuff. And then, of course, content tutors are experts in their particular field, be it history or government or calculus, um, stuff like that. And um, so our part-time staff is comprised of undergrads, grad students, and professionals. We hire all three. Um, Most of our tutors work about eight to ten hours a week. Um, Some of our better tutors are more experienced tutors. They work more, and so that can approach 19 to 20 hours a week. We try to provide tutors for most of the courses that UT offers. Sometimes that can be a challenge, you know, with upper division and uh, advanced classes, but we'll we'll always try to find that tutor or, you know, make that uh, connection for one of our student athletes if we can. Uh, Our tutoring is generally scheduled on a weekly recurring basis. So what that means is if uh, a student has a math tutor on, say, uh, Tuesday at 7 p.m., then they'll see that tutor every Tuesday at 7 p.m. across the semester. We really like that model because it kind of de-emphasizes cramming. It also is very good in terms of just if you think about how a student athlete would work in their sport with distributed practice, it's the same thing with learning. So they get to see a tutor across the semester, and and the tutor also gets familiar with the course, so they kind of traverse the course together. Um, we will, of course, if students need it, we'll do one-time appointments and we'll do reviews for exams. And we also have a, a walk-in tutoring program. I'm a big fan of walk-in tutoring because uh, we've done a, a, some very preliminary data analysis and some analytics. But what we have found in that preliminary uh, review is that walk-in tutoring is it seems to be pretty uh, highly correlated with student success. And I think part of that is because, you know, walk-in tutoring is uh, it's made available, and then the student has to show the initiative to, like, come to that time. There's no, like, real 
consequence if they don't. So what it's really tapping is it's, it's asking the student to come prepare to a tutoring session, and it's asking them to come to something where they want to come because uh, of their intrinsic motivation. And so the the walk-in tutoring uh, is is effective, like I was saying, because of the intrinsic motivation that it has. And so we'll, we'll schedule as much of that as our students need. Yeah, and for the membership out there that are listening to this uh, podcast today, I think it's important. That one of the, the, the items that Jeff just discussed, the evaluation of your own programming. Uh, so Jeff and the University of Texas has figured out that walk-in tutoring seems to be correlated with positive student outcomes. You know, that doesn't come by anything other than them taking a step back, evaluating what's working for them, and we can always constantly learn and grow. So make sure you're evaluating your programming. Uh, Jeff, I know you touched about the, uh, touched upon this a little bit in the start of the, the interview, um, but how long have you been involved with tutoring at UT? So as a tutor, I go all the way back to 2003. I was first hired to be a, a Latin tutor here. I was in a, a Latin class at UT, and um, they had a, a Latin tutor here on staff, and he uh, got too busy and couldn't work, and so apparently he gave my name to uh, the tutor coordinator at the time, and they reached out to me and said, hey, can you come over and tutor this class? And I was like, sure, of course. And so I did that, and then after that semester was over, they're like, well, that student's not in Latin anymore. There are other subjects you can tutor, and I, you know, I have a liberal arts background, and uh, pretty diverse in terms of my uh, my academics. And so I was like, yeah, I can do government or my major uh, as an undergrad was psychology. I can do psychology, history. And they're like, well, let's give it a try. And that worked really well. And um, I started working with uh, men's basketball and uh, men's and women's golf and just a variety of sports and a variety of subjects. And then also um, at that point, we had what we called mentors, which are our strategy tutors now. So I was in a mentoring role Um and then I finished my master's degree, and at that point, I was talking to our senior administrator at the time, and she was like, yeah, I'd love for you to stay on and, and, and work. And so I was uh, assigned the uh, the baseball team, and I worked with them um, to facilitate tutoring or also to, to tutor in some capacity for them. And then we, we changed over our tutor coordinator in about January of 2016, and they, they trained me. So we use Grades First here. I think that's a platform that a lot of people use. There are others, if, if that's not uh, what people like. But... Um, we use grades first, and so I got the training on grades first, and so then I started scheduling and, and running the tutor program in January 2016. And that's something I would point out. If, if someone takes over the tutor coordinating role, there is absolutely a learning process and a learning curve there at the beginning. Uh, for me, it was I knew some of the tutors because they had been my, my colleagues or I had seen them you know, on staff, but there were a lot of people I didn't know. I didn't know the um, subject areas that they can tutor. A lot of times a tutor will tell you that they're – a math and a history tutor, and you will discover later on that actually they studied psychology as a minor, and they can actually tutor that other subject. And so there's definitely a learning curve in picking up on those, like, courses that people don't tell you about. Um, so I picked up on that, and then there's a lot of, like, innate knowledge with, like, you know, utilizing grades first or any kind of software platform about, you know, it, it may show on the system that uh, a student has a conflict, but actually, you know, classes cancel that day, and it's not a conflict, so you just have to learn all the nuances of the programming. So definitely give yourself time as you're taking over a program or as you're assisting with management to, to learn that and don't expect that you're going to know everything overnight. I've learned a lot in the past three plus years uh, that, you know, I feel like uh, we'll, we'll take a moment for people to figure out. And obviously something like a tutoring program is so essential to the success of our students, whether it be on campus or even in student athletics. Uh, and it becomes a, an area of growth and profession to where when we really do understand our tutoring program, like you said, uh, we can take our students to different levels academically. Can you give us some of the keys to tutoring success that you've been aware of? Yes, absolutely. So 
I, I think what I found is, and what we found is in our program is that the best situation is um, a student knows that they're in a class that's going to be challenging, say, economics, and they, from the outset, they work with their academic coordinator and they tell their coordinator, yes, I want a tutor. Maybe for a class like that, they need it twice a week, so I'd like to see an eco-tutor twice a week. Um, once it's requested and I schedule it, um, then the student comes very prepared to the session, and, and what prepared looks like is they're going to come with good class notes, they're going to come with questions. Um, if they have homework, they're going to have either completed it or, you know, of course, if they're they're struggling or have a question, then we don't expect them to have their homework complete, but they've at least looked at it, they've attempted it and given it some thought. Um, that's really the, the ideal model. Um, and then, you know, sometimes students, if they are struggling, maybe they expect their tutor to, like, you know, be the expert and be able to answer every question. Um, and we even tell our tutors, you know, it's okay if you don't know something. Um, what you a lot of times want to model for your student is like, how would you figure that out? Because sometimes their knowledge is like, oh, well, there's an easy way to look that up or there's a website that has that information. And that kind of like modeling can be reinforcing to the student because it can make them understand that, hey, even this expert in the field doesn't know everything. And also, where do I go to find that answer if I need it? So that's sort of the best case. Um, in cases where like maybe the student, one or more of those uh, steps is missing, or maybe the student isn't quite as excited or motivated about tutoring, that's still okay. Like you can still turn that into a successful outcome. Uh, in a situation like that, what you want to make sure is that you're going to pair the student with a tutor who's patient um, and also a tutor who is, you know, probably a little bit more experienced, is going to model enthusiasm, and is going to really meet the students where they're at. So, you know, these, our tutors are obviously, you know, very proficient in their field, but they, they understand that, you know, students are maybe new to eco or new to calculus, and so it's going to take them a moment to, like, get up to speed. So meeting the student where they're at, um, I, I've talked with some of our math tutors, and they're like, a lot of times what it is is you actually have to take a step back before you can go forward. So maybe there's a gap in their math knowledge, and that needs to be addressed. And so, like, you solve, like, a, you know, if it's calculus, there's an algebra issue that the student is struggling with. So you actually have to step back solve the algebra issue, and then move forward, because if you don't, that's going to come up every time with every problem in calculus. So meeting the students where they're at, and then a lot of times, especially freshmen and younger students, they may not be as familiar with syllabi or with course resources. Here at UT, we use Canvas. I know some schools use Blackboard. Uh, there's Banner out there. So, you know, having the students sit with the tutor and say, hey, let's just look at the class online together, like how your professor is posting stuff. You know, this is where they would probably put a study guide. Here's where the homework is. And that can be a very reassuring process for a student and having them look over that together. Um, that's also looking at those online resources together is also a way to ensure student success. Yeah, Jeff, when we go through this process and we start talking about tutoring, I think that you know, it means different things to different people, especially determining on the programs uh, that you know, they might be a part of. You know, programs like the University of Texas, you know, 100 tutors, you know, we're looking at other programs that might have not the size and scope of your tutoring program. But I think it's important what you're talking about here in terms of the education of the tutors and how they can help our students. So the, the one thing that you just said that really sticks out to me is that when students come in and they do give the I don't have anything to do excuse, you know, educating a tutor to sit down and go with them through a process to look at a syllabi, to break it down. I mean, that's something that anyone can take away from this, you know, this podcast today that can help people no matter if they're at the University of Texas, if they're at UMass, if they're at FIU. You know, it's a, it's a process of what, something simple like that that we can all learn to help our students get better. Um, what are some of the things that we should be mindful of when scheduling tutoring? 
So one of the things that I quickly figured out, and even even with a large staff, but this would definitely apply if your staff is a little bit smaller, is you know tutoring is a limited resource, and that that looks uh, several different ways. One way is that of course you know you're employing your tutors generally, and so there's a monetary cost associated with tutoring. Um, but also like you know your quality tutors, they're hard to find. Like you know you can find somebody who who knows calculus, but is that person, do they have an educator mindset? Do they, can they relate to a student? Can they relate to someone who's struggling? Maybe they've always gotten calculus as a tutor and they're just a math genius. You know, that may not be a great pairing for a student who has some math anxiety. So, you know, you have to find somebody who's an expert, but also, as I said earlier, who's patient and can, can meet the student where they're at. So that takes a moment to find, you know, quality tutors like that. Um, and then you, you can't just expect tutoring to be a quick fix. I know sometimes we, we, let our students, you know, go to, go to class, and then they, they don't do well on the first exam, and so we're like, okay, we'll get you tutoring, and, you know, we set up one or two tutor appointments a week, and then we want that, like, okay, we feel good, that makes us feel better, uh, and then we're like, okay, so they're going to go from, you know, a, a C or a D right to an A or a B, and it's not a quick fix um, for several reasons. One of the reasons is because, you know, once you have the tutoring in place, and as we talked about earlier, you have to make sure that the students are coming to the session both prepared and engaged. If the student is resistant or if the student is apprehensive about tutoring, that's going to make it less effective. Um, another thing that you have to be mindful of is, you know, are you putting tutoring the right day of the week? And so sometimes you don't know that until you get a little bit into the semester. So let's say that, you know, you have calculus and let's say all the exams are on Thursdays. Well, Friday might be a great day in the student's schedule because they don't have any other class and maybe their team is off that day that they don't lift or, or work out. But if all the exams are on Thursday, then having Friday tutoring isn't really uh, the best day. So placing it in the right spot is critical. And sometimes you don't know that at the start of the semester. I know a lot of times people will want to get all their tutoring set up so they can have this very nice schedule for their students. They can you know, give that to coaches. They can give it to ops people. Um, they can give it to the students themselves and say, here's your schedule for the semester. Um, but, you know, maybe the, the professor doesn't schedule the test or even, like, tell the students, like, when things are going to be due until after they've met for a couple of weeks or you kind of get the feel of the class. So it's okay to be patient, and I think that's where walk-in tutoring would fit in. So, you know, you're like, well, they still need help. So, yeah, so we'll put the walk-in tutoring in place. The student can come to walk-in tutoring for that first week or two, and then once you kind of get a feel for the semester and maybe the other classes that the student is in, uh, and their workout schedule, then we place the, the weekly recurring tutoring in the right spot. Um, and then another thing to ask yourself always is, is tutoring the best avenue for student success? It, it generally is. Like, generally tutoring is part of it, but there are often other things that are important, such as going to office hours. I know uh, we have some students in stats classes right now, and one of the things I've learned uh, talking with some of the tutors is the way that material can be taught can be very professor-specific, and each professor has their own kind of spin on it. And so going to office hours, the student can get that knowledge from their professor and they can bring that back to tutoring to make the tutoring sessions more effective. And then the last thing I would say is it's critical to have good pairings between your your tutors and your students. So, um, and this took me a while to figure out um, because, again, like I was saying earlier, meeting the student where they're at and just also the personality style. If, if the tutor is very uh, intense and the student's more laid back, maybe that's not a good pairing. Maybe it is because you're trying to motivate the student, but you kind of have to get a feel for it. You have to know your tutoring staff and you have to know your student athletes to get those pairings uh, correct because in some cases, if you have a bad tutoring uh, setup, that can be worse than even no tutoring at all because a bad pairing can be worse than, than no uh, tutoring at all because 
if the student comes to the tutoring session and the tutor either isn't an expert in terms of what the student would like or prefer or the style just isn't good, that could reinforce to the student that, hey, I don't need tutoring or tutoring is, is not a good use of my time. And so you want to avoid that because, you know, as a um, an academic coordinator or someone with knowledge in the field, you, you have a pretty good understanding that tutoring is going to help the student, but sometimes it does take a moment to convince them of that. And so you want to make sure that you've got those good pairings to reassure the students. And that's one thing, Jeff, I could not agree with you more. Uh, and, it, and it doesn't matter, like you said, if, you're, if your program is 100 tutors plus, if your program is you know, 15 tutors or 50, those pairings are so critical, especially as you're building the relationships between the student and the tutor. Uh, and I just commend you for all the work that you guys do to make sure that those pairings are uh, the way they need to be in order to get the buy-in from the student to have a tutor who has that content information to be able to share it uh, and build those relationships so that the student shows up every day motivated to get the work done. Uh, but in speaking of that, you know, some programs and some of the people that are going to be listening to this podcast, uh, they might not have the resources of, of the University of Texas. Uh, they might be smaller programs that do have 15 tutors or 25 or 50. Um, what if those programs don't have the resources to employ 100-plus tutors? So one of the things you should always keep in mind is that, you know, you want to utilize your resources that you do have in the most effective way possible. So one of the things that we struggle with here at UT with our, our large staff sometimes is maybe we have too many resources or we don't know where to put the resources in terms of if we you know, want a student to meet with a tutor and we have a learning specialist or whatever. So a lot of times we can fight against ourselves for time. So in some cases, having a, a smaller staff can be advantageous because you know right away, okay, this is what I have to utilize to help my students reach their uh, effective outcomes. So always be strategic. Be strategic with what you have. If your tutoring staff is smaller, one of the things you might want to consider is using more of a walk-in model. So say you have three math tutors and three psychology tutors and, and three history tutors, and you have, you know, maybe three or 400 student athletes, so you know you're not going to be able to do hour-long pairings with all those students and, and your tutors. You know, set your tutors up, find out when they're available, uh, and also maybe, you know, work with your coaching staff and and your student athletes to find out when are the times that they're generally available. So if they're mid-afternoons or if they're evenings, put your walk-in tutoring in place. Now with walk-in tutoring, you do have to advertise that. You have to make sure that your students know uh, and maybe your ops people or your coaches so that you do have to have a little bit of a driving force because if you just put a walk-in tutor in your study center and put a sign up there that says like math tutoring, you know, the students are going to need some encouragement. You have to kind of get that tipping point to where they're like, they know the resources there and they'll go to it. But I would definitely encourage a walk-in tutoring model uh, for those smaller staffs. And then keep in mind that, you know, an hour, you know, we, we do most of our tutoring sessions here for an hour, but what I have found is that, you know, an hour isn't always necessary. Um, you know, a lot of times after an exam, uh, you know, they just want to like, you know, kind of debrief and talk about the exam or with like math homework especially, you know, maybe there's just like one little stumbling block. They're not, they're missing a step. And if they just go see a walk-in tutor and they work through one problem together and then the walk-in tutor can see like, okay, that's where your mistake is. You're missing that one step. If they can address that, that can solve like, you know, their entire issue with that, that week's homework. And then they can go work on the rest of the homework together. And then with the walk-in tutor, that, that person will still be there. So if the student needs to come back and see the tutor a little bit later, um, that they'll still be there. I think generally walk-in shifts, you probably want to have at least two hours. Uh, three is probably good. So, you know, you do a 5 to 8 p.m. or a 
at 2 to 5 p.m., depending on the hours of your study center and also, as I said earlier, you know, your student needs and, and when your students are available. Um, you can also work on skill building. So if you, let's say your tutor staff is real small, you know, it's like 10 or 15 individuals, make sure that, you know, as your students are coming to meet with your tutors, that you're working on things like note-taking, like syllabi review, like, like going through your online resources, um, because that creates leverage. So uh, one of the things that we find is if our students come to tutoring and they don't have good notes or something like that, you know, that can make this, the tutoring sessions less effective. But if you have a smaller set, you know, you, you can't have that. You want to make sure that every tutoring session is the most effective possible. So if students are coming with good notes, coming with questions, like I said earlier, then that will give you that leverage. Um, and so then they don't need to see somebody two or three times a week. One effective session can be just as effective or even better than two or three less effective sessions. Um, and then, you know, regardless of your staff size, just always make sure your resources are being utilized efficiently. Um, I talked to, to one colleague, uh, I think it was last year, and he told me he just hired his very first tutor. He had one math tutor. Um, I was like, wow, that, that definitely is the opposite end of the spectrum from where we're at here. So if you have one tutor, ask, ask yourself this question, how can I employ this individual to bring about transformational change for my students? So in that case, with one tutor, you're probably going to do walk-in, and if that tutor can give you, you know, 10 hours a week, you set them up for maybe a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday for three hours each day. And then if you have one or two students that are really struggling um, and, you know, passing a math class or, or passing another class is critical for their, for their eligibility or for their long-term success or maybe even to get them to their major field of choice, then you could carve out 15, 30 minutes or whatever a week with that tutor and, and that student or two. Um, so, you know, there is a prioritization there. You want to make sure that the students with the most need are getting the resources that you do have. Jeff, you know, going through this, and, and again, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on the podcast. And for the membership out there, it doesn't matter if you have 100 tutors or 75 or 50. Uh, you can take away a great deal of educational content from this podcast today, and you can bring it back into your program. And you can really take positive strides to help your students be successful. Right now, though, obviously, one of the, the highlighted cases in the nation is the NCAA's infraction case against the University of Missouri, uh, specifically dealing with a, a tutor within their athletic program uh, that has some academic misconduct issues. Uh, Jeff, you know, we have you on the podcast today, and I know this is something that is a sensitive nature around our, you know, our profession. Um, can you take? Can you give us an idea of some of the things that we might have learned, or some of the takeaways from the case at the University of Missouri? Yes, certainly. The Missouri case is obviously anyone that's associated with tutoring or anywhere in athletics administration. It's on everyone's mind. Uh, so I think it's important to to kind of step back and say, what can we learn from that? So I think one of the things that we need to learn and recognize is that, of course, tutoring is a great resource, and we're providing this to our student athletes, but there's a risk associated with that. And so what we need to always do is we need to make sure that we are managing and mitigating risk. Uh, one of the ways that we can do that is with like, continuing education with both our, our part-time staff, our tutors, and our student athletes about the critical nature of academic integrity. It's something that you can never slip up on. You have to always have an ethical uh, guide. You have to always Make sure that you're following the standards of your, your institution, your conference, the NCAA on academic integrity. I think a lot of times students don't realize, you know, all the things that are out there. Um, and so maybe they or they get in a bind and they're like, oh, I'm just going to cut this corner just this one time. And, and you can't do that because, you know, obviously you have to always be ethical. And, and cutting a corner like that can, can lead to not just an issue for that student, but for an entire team. So 
So, so education for your staff, education for your student athletes is critical. And then I also think that it's important to, to always review your program. So whatever your size is, review your program, review your practices, and, you know, make sure that you have um, uh, the best practices in place for that program. So you always want to make sure that your tutors know that if they see something, that they should report that to you, that they're not going to be in trouble for reporting. I think a lot of times tutors feel like, you know, I don't want to get the student in trouble, uh, but they, they need to report that information because if something, you know, small is happening, you can address that. You can sit the student down and explain to them why, um, you know, they can't do that, and you can avoid a, a bigger issue like Missouri um, or what Missouri, you know, unfortunately got, got into. And I think it's also important to, to be mindful. We talk a lot about pressure. Um, you know, obviously, you know, students doing well in class or students doing well in the field, there's, there's a, you know, there's pressure associated with that. But what we want to make sure is that, you know, we don't pass that pressure along to our part-time staff. So we tell them like, oh, the student, you know, has to pass this exam or the student has to pass this class. Because when you start feeling that pressure, that's when you can start to be like, okay, well, maybe it's okay this one time if I cut a corner or if I, you know, do something that I normally wouldn't do. Um, you need to make sure that you just have a very uh, nurturing and, and uh, positive environment. So just, you know, telling your tutors that, okay, you're working with a student, you know, just, just get the, and I always say, like, with homework or whatever, it's okay if you don't finish a homework. It's okay if uh, you don't finish a study guide because, you know, the, the point of tutoring is not just about completion of an assignment or something like that. It's about learning. And so learning takes a moment. It's okay to, to struggle a little bit with, with a math problem because that's what the learning process looks like. So if you don't, you know, extend any pressure to um, your part-time staff, then they can take a moment and say, like, okay, we can go back and we can look at, you know, what are the deficiencies in math and, and we can address those. So I think not passing that along and just making sure that you always have an open-door policy. Um, I've had people come and tell me things here and there, and it's because, you know, you make you build a rapport with your staff and they feel like they can trust you. So your staff should always, you know, know that you're there for them and that uh, when we, we have compliance come in and, and talk to our tutors at the beginning of, of each semester, um, and then they also do a PowerPoint when we, like, hire people mid-semester, so we always go over that. And, and one of the things that's emphasized in there is the important nature of reporting. So. You know, if you see something, it, it may even seem small, but just bringing that to someone's attention, that can be critical in terms of ensuring academic integrity and ensuring uh, success in the classroom and on the field. And, and for those that are listening to the podcast, we actually did an interview with Kathy Kalenic, the Associate Director of Enforcement for the NCAA. Uh, and, and one of the things that came out of the Missouri case uh, was that the NCAA is invested in the idea of metadata, uh, and it's something that I had not heard before, so it's an educational opportunity for all of us uh, to to really understand um, how information can be found on the web, how, you know, when infractions cases do come to light, how the NCAA can look into metadata in terms of who signed into what computer, when they did that, uh, where they went when they were on that computer, I mean, so there's just, there's so many changes happening right now, especially with technology. The more that we can continue to educate ourselves, the better we can help prepare our students, our staff members, our tutors, our student workers, whatever that might be. Uh, but I would encourage you to listen to Kathy's presentation, uh, especially when it comes to metadata. But Jeff, thank you so much for being on with us today. Um, I think that we have had the opportunity, especially for the membership listening, um, because we do have, you know, such a need for tutors within our field uh, not only to help our students who might have some deficiencies and they're trying to get better academically, 
but even those high achieving independent learners who are trying to get into some medical school or secondary degrees that really need that extra step, you know, to, to stay on top of their studies. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Wes. I really appreciate you having me on and for the membership. You know, I'm happy to be uh, a resource for anyone out there. So, you know, Wes can provide you with my contact info. You can reach out to me either, you know, on my office number or um, you can email me. I'm happy to be a resource. I think we learn a lot by collaborating and talking with each other. So please reach out to me. I'm happy to, uh, to be there for you. at various times, just trying to catch as many audience members as possible. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, I really appreciate you, like I said, having me on, and then also, like, the social media campaign with it. That's going to be great. And like you said, you know, just getting getting the resources out there to the membership and making sure that, you know, people know who, who we are in the field. I think that's critical to student success. It's absolutely my pleasure, man. I hope you have a really good day. All right. Thank you so much, Wes. You have a good day, too, okay? All right. Bye. Okay. Bye.